All right. So I've never been introduced by video, so that just feels a little big time. But thank you guys. Um, um, so uh, it's good to be here with you guys at, with Journey Church. As James said, I'm, I'm on the oversight team. So it's good to be able to get to see in person because I've been hearing a lot about you guys and seeing pictures and videos and praying for you guys a lot over <clears throat> the past few months. So um, so yeah, I'm, I'm married. There's my wife, Beth, that uh, um, James mentioned, my oldest son, Isaac, there, and our um, my middle one, Josiah, and my youngest, Benjamin, there in the kids, uh, the kids zone today. And I know you think uh, Isaac, Josiah, and Benjamin, that sounds very Amish of us, but we're not. You know, we decided to stick with the Old Testament. Um, but uh, yeah, went to school um, to um, college with James, but my wife was a year, a couple years behind me. She actually was in James's class. And the funny, um, her first encounter with James is a funny one. I think she, Irene, um, you ready for this? I don't know if you know this, but she just, my wife just, I think, said hey to James, and his first response was, his first response was, I have a girlfriend. So, Irene, so he was, he was holding strong um, as a freshman in college. <laughs> so, oh, man. So, as James mentioned, I'm a pastor at Christ Fellowship. We started the church 13 years ago in Portsmouth, Virginia, and um, I know what a lot of you guys are thinking, Portsmouth, I've heard of that place on the news, right? Don't lie, don't lie. But here's the thing, when we think of Virginia Beach, we think traffic, that's what we think. And uh, so I, I wanna open up with this question, have you ever been stuck? You ever been stuck? Raise your hand real quick, if you've ever been stuck. We've all been stuck in some way, right? Uh, if you live out here, you have been stuck in traffic, there's no doubt, um, and so, um, we all have these stories uh, where we end up stuck, and sometimes they test us, don't they? So I'll share a story with you guys. Years ago, I was trying in this phase of my life, I was in, doing construction, I was trying to channel my inner redneck, okay? And so uh, I was driving this old beat-up F-150, you know, the one with the stripe down the side, this thing was old and crusty, it was bouncy and, and rickety, and uh, the steering was real loose, you know, and so I just loved driving this thing, and, and um, one day, I was actually getting on the interstate, not far um, down the street, um, right here in Virginia Beach, and I was getting on the interstate, and there was a car that was broken down on the side of the road. And I felt something just saying, I need to go help this person. And so I, I pull over off the side of the interstate and, um, and ends up they just needed a jump, okay? So I'm like, dude, that's awesome because I have jumper cables and that is literally the only thing I can do on a car. I can jump it, okay? And so, uh, so the problem was this. I had to turn around uh, 180 degrees on the shoulder of the interstate, uh, 64, uh, to, so I can get uh, bumper to bumper, so I could, uh, you know, jump it. And so um, the pr other problem was it was raining outside. And so as I turn around, and I'm trying to, you know, 15-point turn my truck to get it uh, phase, uh, turned around, uh, I got no traction, okay? Uh, my wheels start spinning. You know the story? You been there, anybody? And then they start to dig in. Oh, let me tell you one more thing about my old truck. It's a two-wheel drive. I know, what's the point, right? I get it, I, I get it. <clears throat> and I felt that, okay? So here I am, I'm just trying to help somebody. I'm trying to be a good person. And, and my wheels start digging and spinning, and I got, I got nothing, okay? I got nothing. Now, I'm stuck. Guys, you know how embarrassing that is? When you're trying to help somebody, 
and then you're, you end up needing help. So that was me. And, um, and so it's just not fun. I'm, I'm frustrated. And now I'm the one is stuck. So this idea of being stuck, this is what I want to talk about today um, with my time with you guys. Um, this is a word that as I talk with people, as, I, um, as a pastor, and, and just as so many people that I encounter, this is how they would describe their life with this word, stuck. Just stuck. Like, it's the same old, same old. You know, I do the same thing every Monday. I do the same thing every Tuesday. I got the same old grind. I'm gonna go home and do the same thing today. Like, uh, we just feel stuck in a rut. We feel like we're just spinning wheels, no traction. We're just getting deeper and deeper. Some of you guys may feel stuck in your relationships. You may feel stuck in your finances. You may feel stuck emotionally or stuck in your career path, stuck in a sin, just stuck in your faith. Like, like there, there's no, nothing else to, left to experience, we feel stuck. Like we feel wheels are spinning, but we're going nowhere. And there's a chance that uh, a younger version of you thought you'd be in a different place today than you are right now, so you feel stuck. Now here's the good news, is I believe that our path to being unstuck starts with Jesus. Like, even if you're a person of faith and you've been following him for years, we, we constantly need to be reminded and connected and reconnected to the one who offers us life and hope and peace, right? And freedom. These are the things that we all want, right? And so we, uh, we see this happen over and over in the scriptures. We see it happen in people's lives. And, uh, and But as we look today, we're going to look at this encounter that Jesus has of, of this guy who was very stuck, like stuck, stuck. Did you ever realize that's what we do today? If you, if you want to emphasize something, you just repeat it twice. Like, man, he wasn't just stuck. He was Stuck, stuck, okay? So this guy was stuck, stuck. We're gonna jump into John chapter five, and this first uh, couple verses are gonna set up the scene of this guy who was stuck, stuck. So John five, one and two, it says this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. So Jesus is on the move to Jerusalem, and we don't know what festival it was. They had a number of different festivals where people would just, everybody would rush to Jerusalem. But here's what we do, though. It was a busy time in the city. And so this encounter takes place where uh, there was apparently the small opening in the north uh, uh, wall of the city where <clears throat> the sacrificial lambs would be brought in. They would be cleansed before they were taken to the temple so they could be offered to sacrifices. So near this sheep gate, as it was called, was a public pool. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> there's more than just a public pool. This place was called Bethesda, which means house of mercy. Uh, there was five covered colonnade porches around it. It was actually pretty massive. There were two twin pools divided by this colonnade. They spanned hundreds of feet. This place was massive, okay? But there was something different about this pool, Bethesda. It was special, at least, at least that's what they thought back then. And then uh, continuing, John 5, verses 3. It says, here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and, and one who was there <clears throat> had been an invalid for 38 years. He was stuck, stuck. 
There was this great number of disabled people, blind, lame, paralyzed. There was a reason, though, why this was the hangout for the disabled people of that day. There seemed to be a belief traveling around that that was pretty popular that there was something special about this pool. Like, from time to time, the waters would bubble and stir, probably from a natural spring or something that was connected to it. But they believed that this was an angel, okay, stirring things up, bubbling things up. And, and the first one to get in the water after that happened would be healed of whatever um, they would, their disease was. So boom, waters will boil. People are scrambling, fighting, struggling, crawling to get into the pool. And this was their day, every day, in and out. Now, maybe it did have some spa-type therapeutic properties to it, but this was probably nothing more than superstition, born out of desperation. You know, we do weird things, right, when we feel stuck. Now, think about it. Our culture is much more sensitive uh, to people with disabilities. Um, in fact, my youngest son, he has Down syndrome, and, and, and he has so many opportunities that, that just didn't exist 20 years ago. But think about it now. We're so much more sensitive to people with disabilities today. We still have a ways to go, but we have government agencies and programs and grants and codes and vehicles and, and all these things to, to, to make life easier uh, with people, for people with disabilities. Now, here's the thing we need to understand. In Jesus' day, if people with disabilities were completely at the mercy of other people, and man, that's, that's sometimes, a, that's a frustrating way to live, isn't it? Like, they, they would either be provided for by their families, or more likely, they were just left to beg, right? They would just go to the city gates, they would go to the temple uh, courtyard, they, they would just beg, and, and often they were getting left out. And often they were a burden to the people around them. Now, this was this guy's existence for 38 years. We don't know how old this guy is. We have no idea how old he is. <clears throat> Scripture just says that this, he, he had this condition for 38 years. Uh, I have a hunch that this guy was 38, okay? Because the average male life expand back then was not much over 40 years old. So either this was all of his life or this condition was most of his life life. So Jesus intentionally walks up to this guy. He's laying down by the pool, been an invalid for 38 years, and now we don't know exactly what was wrong with him, but he, had, he was feeble and weak, unable to move and walk on his own accord. And so, we, uh, so, so this was this guy's existence for 38 years, and Jesus goes up to this guy and asks him, I don't know if I can say dumb because it's Jesus, ask him one of the craziest questions, okay, that we can think of. Now, ch check this question. You'll, you'll see what I mean. In verse six, he says, when Jesus saw him lying there, and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? You with me? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Do you want to get well? Uh, yeah, right? Yeah, like do you want to get well? Yeah, like this is such a weird question to ask a sick man. Like you can just picture the response. He's like, you know, I've thought about it once or twice over 38 years. Yeah, hey, I'm good, you know? Or, you know, it's crossed my mind. No, this guy is, he's sick. 
He's sick, sick. He's stuck, stuck. Like, like for 38 years, and Jesus has this audacity to walk up to this man and ask him if he wants to get well. Uh, yeah. If you want to think of it in our 21st century um, counterpart, it kind of be like going to the local hospital, all right? Going room to room, asking people, hey, you want to get well? Nope, here for the jello, right? The meals are delicious. This bed is amazing, you know? Like, like, and I just get sleep all night long, you know, because no one bothers me. No, no, like, that's, that's, that's crazy, right? Like, th- this is the get well place. People come here to get well. So why even ask the question? It's the same for this man. He was in the hospital. He was in the get well place. The only reason why he was there was because he wanted to get well. So Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? But listen how he responds in verse seven. Sir, the invalid responded, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. When I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down in front of me. He doesn't even respond. Uh, yeah. I think he's even more desperate than that. I think he's more desperate. And for some reason, he associates Jesus' question about, about getting better to his need to get into the pool. And so he's grasping for some form of hope. And, 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 and we see that the more stuck people are, the more desperate people are, the the the, the crazier things that they'll do to grasp onto something like like we see this so much in our culture today right like we just we grasp onto something for some form of hope and that could be an endless list for us right out of desperation we just grasp for one thing to the next to the next and it usually ends up leaving us disappointed pretty quickly particularly when things go wrong So this guy's hanging out, the waters are stirred, he struggles day after day, and someone else just jumps in front of him. The one thing that he's trying to grasp onto out of desperation, someone else keeps taking it away from him, and not that it was really gonna help him anyways. And and the water stirred, he struggles, someone else jumps in. Water stirs, he struggles, someone else jumps in. Water stirred, he struggles, someone else jumps in. You have to feel for this man, right? Like, we can sense the desperation. He was stuck in the circumstances. Like very literally and very physically, he was stuck. Out of his control. And he was doing the only thing left that he thought he could do. Just get in that pool at the right time. Then just maybe, then just maybe I won't be stuck anymore. And so maybe you're here today and you feel stuck. Maybe you would use that word to describe an area of your life or, or your faith or, or maybe your whole life, you know? And you, just, like, you feel like uh, you're, you're spinning wheels, you're gaining no traction. It may be from bad choices you made. It may be from, you know, mistakes, lapses in judgment, you know? Those things are our, our fault, and we know that, we feel that. But there's a lot of things that happen that are out of our control too, right? That happen to us or happen around us. 
we don't like it, but we, but we can't help it, and so we feel stuck, and maybe it's a bad relationship, and, and, and maybe it's just you feel stuck there. Maybe it's a, a, a situation at work or a career path you went down. Maybe it's a physical sickness or, or a handicap that you have, and you, and you bear that, and you, you feel that every day. Maybe it's uh, dealing with mental uh, illness. Maybe it's um, unforgiveness in our hearts because things that uh, were done to us. Maybe it's just family drama, but we don't know about that, do we? Uh, it could be any circumstance, but so often that um, so often things are out of our control, and we feel stuck. And so this so, so this guy he he knows it right. He knows what it's like to be stuck. Continue in verse eight. So then Jesus said to him, "Get up." Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Can you imagine that? 38 years stuck and, and then boom, the words of this guy, you don't even know who he is, says get up and, and then he heals you. So the day, but, but check this, the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. So the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Can you imagine like the mat, dude, I don't care about that law. Like the dude, the dude to heal me said, get up, carry my mat. I'm getting up, I'm carrying my mat. And, but he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. So Jesus makes this move out of compassion. But there was something going on there's something bigger going on. Like Jesus was not just healing this guy out of compassion. He was picking a fight. And you see that with Jesus a lot. Jesus is actually challenging the man-made religious systems, okay? Because the, here's, here's how it worked. The religious leaders of that day followed God's laws, but to follow God's laws perfectly, what they would do is they would make a whole bunch of more laws, laws, to help us follow the laws, you know what I'm talking about? You get it? And so like, oh, you can't follow the laws on your own. We, I need to make more for you. And so the religious leaders did this. And, and part of God's law, his real actual law, was to honor the Sabbath day. The seventh day, Saturday, it was the day of rest for God's people. And so what does rest look like? Now, let me tell you. I'll tell you what rest looks like. And so they came up with this long list of what you could and what you could not do on the Sabbath. For example, you could save a person's life on the Sabbath, but you couldn't just heal someone, okay? That would have to wait till the next day. You're gonna do a healing, okay? So when Jesus, Jesus challenged the man-made systems, like, like the, these systems were everything to their culture. So when Jesus challenged these man-made systems, he was saying something huge. He was saying, look, I am bigger than all that. I'm bigger than your, your made-up rules. I'm bigger than, than all the systems that you can create. And guess what? The religious leaders were ticked. They had no compassion for the man that was just healed. They were just ticked that, that this, they broke their, their rules. And, and continuing down in verse 14, it says, Later, Jesus found him uh, uh, at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. 
So this is a pretty weird thing for Jesus to track, track this guy and say to him, right? Like, hey, stop sinning or something worse is gonna happen. See, here's a belief of that day, and we have this belief in our culture today too, uh, a lot, uh, and we feel guilt over things. Like if something bad happens, we think I did something wrong, right? Sometimes that's true. We make bad decisions and we pay the price, right? But in this guy's case, like he may have been born this way. Like, I, I don't think Jesus was saying his sin caused his condition, when Jesus says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you, I think he's saying, look, I healed your body, but what's even more important is your soul. Therefore, wouldn't it be a shame for your body, your circumstances to be healed, but for you to remain separated from God? So this guy, can you imagine the pool that day at the pool, hanging out with all your uh, disabled buddies, Right? which really they're not your buddies or your enemies because you're trying to fight them and beat them to the pool, right? The pool would have been crowded that day. And why did Jesus pick this guy? It's almost like you see Jesus tiptoeing over, like tiptoeing over, skipping this person, skipping that person, and finally he makes his way to this guy. Why this guy? It's almost like like Jesus uh, uh, had had this event, something that needed to happen for this guy and and, uh, this Here's the thing. One day, for those who put their trust in Jesus, Jesus is going to heal all things. And that's a promise that we have and that we hold on to, right? Like Jesus says, I'm going to make everything new. Man, that's something that gets us pumped. But there's some times where Jesus just does what Jesus does. He, he moves in ways that we can't plan it, we can't always prepare for it, but Jesus does that. So he heals this guy. Oftentimes, we get stuck in our own circumstances, but Jesus is able to overcome those circumstances. So Jesus says, look, I am bigger than your laws. I'm bigger than your customs. I'm bigger than your your health. I am able. And sometimes we remain stuck in our circumstances, but we can still come to Jesus and know that one day, he's gonna make everything right. It might be right now. It might be next week. It might be next year. It might not be in this life. But man, from here, it only gets better, guys. And so I wanna ask you this question today. Same question that Jesus asked this guy. Do you want to get well? Uh, yeah. Right? That's the only logical answer, right? Like, do you want to get well? It sounded like such a dumb question earlier, but there's a sad reality that a lot of sick people really are okay with that. Like they don't want to get well. They've become so accustomed to their life as they know it. They're so accustomed to uh, spinning tires and no traction. The ruts they've dug are so deep, they've been there for so long that they forget what it's like to be free. And maybe that's you in that area of your life. Maybe you've grown accustomed or familiar or even quite fond of your pain. So I want to ask you this question. Do you want to get well? You know, your circumstances, you may find yourself um, to, to be a direct result of decisions or it may have been something completely out of your, your control. Whatever it is, whatever it is, man, give that to Jesus. 
So I wanna challenge you guys with a couple things, okay? If you, um, if you have your phone, feel free to take a picture or snapshot of these last two um, things on the screen uh, because at, at the very least, one day you're gonna have to, de to delete it, okay? And so you'll get to see it again. Um, the first one is this. Am I being defined by my circumstances or my proximity to Jesus? You know, what's the biggest and most important thing about you? What, what, what's something that you have going for you? What's something you have going against you? Something that was done to you or, or, uh, or, or something that, that's out of your control? Like, are you being defined by all these things that have happened to you or being done to you or things that you did or, or the, uh, just your circumstances? Or are you allowing yourself to be defined by your relationship and your connection and your proximity to Jesus? Here's the thing, when we let our circumstances overshadow our faith, then our focus is always fixated on where we're stuck, on our sickness, right? And not on the one who can get us out. So we need to let our, 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 our uh, circumstances not overshadow our faith. We need to trust, we need to be close to Jesus and be defined uh, by him rather than our circumstances. So wrestle with that question this week and you come to grips with it. Do you want to get well? Uh, yeah. Get close to Jesus. The second one is this. It's a challenge to put your trust in the one that's bigger than your circumstances. Put your trust in him. You know, trust is just another word for faith, right? Faith sounds like a fancy word. Just trust him. Like, trust in the one that's bigger than your circumstances because Jesus is bigger, then we should trust him. You know, that day that I was driving, getting on the interstate, I was actually coming uh, on my way home from Regent Library. I was doing some studying, uh, studying Jesus stuff, you know, I was taking some classes. And, and, um, and so I'd just spent a couple hours studying Jesus, and that's the real reason why I stopped, because I saw this car broke down. I'm like, man, if that was my wife, I would wish some other nice guy, you know, nice guy, would, um, would stop and help her. So, so I stopped, and um, boom, need rises, you know, I'm there. Uh, but as soon as I realize I'm trying to help, I'm in a, my own bind of my own. I'm stuck. But check out what happens. Split second, right? It's raining, mud. A bigger truck pulls over. This one had four-wheel drive. I'm feeling real confident at this point, right? And he says, I was on the phone with my pastor when I saw you, and something told me I should stop. I'm like, all right, thank you. And so, and so he, he's like, pulls chains out of his trunk, hooks them up, pulls me out. Just in five seconds, it's all good because he had a bigger truck, he had four-wheel drive. And I turn around and to th the reason why we stopped, the, the person that needed a jump, uh, roadside assistance just pulled over to help them. So I'm like, peace out, suckers. And so I'm like, you know. Uh, look, sometimes to get unstuck, we need to hook to something that's bigger and stronger and something that's able to pull us out of our circumstances. And that's Jesus. 
That's Jesus. And so Jesus heals. He may not heal everyone on this side of things, but he, he brings people back together. He heals sickness. He provides for people who need it. He comforts people who are brokenhearted. He gives us peace in the midst of crisis, that peace that transcends circumstances. He, he gives us hope, right? So he gives us all these things. He gives us freedom from our sin and from our own selves. He, he gives us those things. And so we cling to him. We trust to him. We look forward to the day when everything is made New, And so that's my challenge for you guys, Journey Church, is to put your trust in the one that's bigger than your circumstances. If you're feeling stuck, that's the way out. Because Jesus is able. He's bigger than your circumstances. He's bigger than any crummy relationship that you've experienced. He's bigger than any situation at work. He's bigger than any physical pain or sickness you have. He's bigger than the job that you feel like you can't get out of. He's bigger than uh, the 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 car wreck of, of, of your financial situations, and he's bigger than the bitterness in your heart, and he's bigger than any addiction. Jesus is able. What we see is that we don't have to be defined by those things that get us stuck, but we can be defined by our connection with Jesus. So I want to ask you this question one more time, and I want to answer from you this time. Do you want to get well? Uh, yeah. Let me pray for you guys. God, you are good. And God, we're just reminded right now that you are bigger. And God, that you are in control. And we see this in the person of Jesus who just on this one random day seemingly picked this one guy who all he known was loneliness and being stuck in his circumstances for 38 years. And God, boom, he's healed. God, right now, I pray for each and every person here who just feels stuck in a part of their life that, that we can cling on to you with everything that we have. And God, I pray that you begin to heal. God, give them hope. God, fill them with purpose. God, let them overcome. And God, may they experience freedom as they trust and cling to you. God, we praise you. We love you. It's all in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.